welcome back to another episode of the Excellence Cartel. Ladies and gentlemen, today we are joined with Megan from Advanced Vitality HRT, Jason's clinic that we have obviously pimped about on the podcast over time. But today we're going to have a really deep dive into all things HRT. We're going to talk about like how they do a collaborative effect, um, approach with coaches and clients to like who should even consider HRT and like what different scenarios might be in play along with, you know, similar, what is it, semaglutide? Is that how you say it? So we're going to get shit on either way. Can I swear on it? Yeah, you can swear the fuck out of it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I definitely have a terrible mouth. Uh, So some people (laughs) say semaglutide, some people say semaglutide, either way, like I said, someone's going to shit on it, but either way is fine. It's like Cybo, Cibo. Who, yeah. <laughs> who knows? Everybody shits on that one too. All right. But that's what we're going to talk about. But first, I want to get in the last seven days with Jeffrey Sue first, because we had last week wondered if you even did nature. And then the very next day oh. you were out in nature. And how was Asheville, North Carolina? I was there yeah. last year for my birthday, man. And it was awesome. I had a blast. Asheville is nice. It's a, it's a nice town, you know, nice yep. city. But it's, you know, it's not busy enough for me it's just quiet and it's mm-hmm. it's peaceful it's a, there's a lot of nature out there in the great smoky mountains which i you know hiked part of and and went to the 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 peak of some overlook which was quite scary actually um but it's beautiful the blue mountains are beautiful um and i learned that it's because like the trees produce some sort of gas or whatever and gases are like held within the mountain valleys and that mm-hmm. reflects light and causes it to be a b- blue hue yeah. um other than that, um, you know, there are a lot of girls down there with like pink, pink and purple hair, like, like kind of like edgy, like hipster type <laughs> chick, which they were really cute. So I was like, you know, looking around, you know, I was having a good time. Uh, I, I had some nice off plan uh, treats, had some cheesecake, found a good gym to train at. Um, but yeah, last seven days were good. I was just, you know, I was like, fuck, I'm not making any money. You know, like I'm so used to having my memo like ding, like. <laughs> every day and i was like fuck it's quiet and then so la- yesterday i had to make seven thousand dollars i just had to so so i did by releasing a uh a new group mentoring program which i think meets a, a specific need and price point sold some classes and stuff like that so i feel a little bit better about myself now uh your self-esteem that, you know, is up yeah self-esteem is up man mm-hmm. uh brand is good a lot of clients a lot of consults laura has another consult tonight so yeah, I'm I'm in a great mood. God damn, I'm turned on just listening to you. All right, Jason, man, how are you doing, buddy? Uh, good. Um, let's see, the last seven days, uh, just business, really. Uh, I can't think of anything like too out, you know, standing. I last week we went to uh, Aiden's soccer game, and he had a really good game. He, he scored two goals and they were up four, three, and then they ended up losing uh seven, four. The team was just better, but it looked like they might be able to hold him off, but he's been playing really well. So a lot of my week, well, my weeks are, I have games Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, all the way up to like mid October. Um, so I've been pretty busy, like obviously with that um, work, you know, I have my menopausal class. I'm getting ready to teach, uh, the first one this Sunday. I already have the second date for October 9th and people are signing up. Uh, I had my class bundle running, um, more coaches grabbed that. Um, so, you know, I'm getting ready to 
launch, uh, the introduction to the functional nutrition. Uh, you can call it a mentorship. You can call it class, whatever you want to call it, but it's going to be 16 modules. And uh, I might do something along the lines like Sue did, like, you know, lower the price and, and just teach it to more people, um, something like that. But uh, those are some things coming up. Uh, other than that, uh, business as usual. Oh, I close on the house tomorrow. Congrats. Uh, that's cool. Um, we moved the 14th, but close tomorrow. So yeah, man, a lot of moving pieces, things going on right now, but, uh, you know, business has been exciting. Things have been exciting. So I'm good, man. I, let's see, last seven days have been very, very low key for me. I just wrote a lot. I actually went out and had drinks with my mentor. He talked to me a little bit about some different things he wanted me to kind of like work on and address. He in town? Yeah, he, he was in town, man. He was, uh, I guess, selling out of one of his houses. He's like, yeah. I guess going to get out on it. And I was like, the guy owns like 40 different pieces. Like oh, all property. throughout like the Southeast. Yeah. Property. Is this Pressfield? No, no, no. This is there. Oh. Yeah. So anyway, um, just this stuff. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to do that. Uh, that. I think the batting cage business. You me are doing and, it. Me and Robo are going to go ahead and jump in on it. I think we're going to see what that's about. I think we can make some money at that. Um, the explosion of growth, the lack of facilities here in Nashville to be able to supply. And there's one thing that parents will do. They'll pay for their crappy kids to try to get marginally better at sports yeah. over and over and over. So, you know, I'm like, well, let's just capitalize on that. But um, that was like a good, that a could good be time. your slogan. Yeah. Get your crappy kids to be less crappy. You know, like <laughs> yeah, that's less crappy batting cages, you know? Um, <laughs> but um, nonetheless, I've got uh Brett Bartholomew's um, seminar this upcoming weekend here in Nashville. So I kind of like purposely didn't do shit this weekend. Um, just to kind of recover, watch my Tennessee. What's, balls what's the seminar over? Um, It's going to be on leadership and different things like that. So okay. I'm just, I'll report back. We had me and Sue, had a good conversation with him. Uh, you were out that one, but that guy's super okay. cool. So I'm interested to see. Uh, the seminar is Saturday and Sunday from eight to six, both days. Ooh. So I'm like, woof. I'm interested to see, like, for the for, for the money spent, all that. I'm interested to see what it's all like. So that will help us with the Physique Education Collective, which, ladies and gentlemen, that is still a go. That is going to be the last Friday and Saturday, Tampa, Florida. Um, be be honest with y'all. I I'm kind of thinking Saturday of what. Of January. I'm sorry. Okay. Did, I not, did I not specify that? No. I'm really looking forward to where we have one of the speakers, you know, who did not, who could not take uh, one of the spots. We're going to give more time to Alan um, and Dr. Scott Stevenson. And I think that I'm really excited to see what those two bring to the table. I've never heard Alan Aragon ever present. So um, I'm, I'm interested to really have that be at nice. the piece. Yeah, yeah, I've been too. thinking about that a lot. I think this won't be our best one yet. Florida, hot, nice time of year. Should be mm -hmm. good. All right. Yep. Hopefully the Buccaneers are close to the Super Bowl. We go to good game. All right, Megan. How's your last seven days been? Thank you, first off, for joining us. But oh my God. Seven days been? No, thank you. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to uh talking with you guys formally. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. Uh oh, you don't have to lie. Jason paid you to say that. Yeah, I did no. you at the start. Say you like this. And he's like all red in the that. face and shit. Yeah, I got him. What's up? I will say, you know, uh and I will probably get into my background, but you know, yeah, from an standpoint, I'm, I'm definitely on the opposite end of you guys. But I think for uh, for my bosses out there, it only plays into their favor that I really enjoy endurance training, and so I'm constantly training and uh, listening to podcasts, consuming information. So you guys have sucked up a big bunch of running hours with me, so I appreciate that. It's been Thank energy. You. 
Uh, last seven days have been good. It's just like everyone else. Life is really busy. We're, uh, we're building a house, sold a house. Um, as you know, HRT clinic is continuing to, uh, expand. And I also have, um, I'm the medical director for nutrition dynamics. So a lot of moving parts there, but, um, yeah, I'm just excited to see you guys. I felt a little bit like I had imposter syndrome when Jason first asked me, I was like, you don't want me to talk on your podcast. And I promised oh. that I would embarrass him, but I don't know that that all, that that all true. No, I'm have- sure he'll be fine. Jason spoke nothing but great things. My interactions uh, with you and my clients have been great. So if anything, I, I tried to pretend we're in the Porsche club too. I sent a picture of our car so that way I could at least be kind of cool. I know you guys are like Porsche connoisseurs, all three of you all. And I'm over here like, I'll take a new Cadillac. Wait, 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 <laughs> you know, wait, 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 like, you're getting a Porsche? Uh, yeah, my, yeah, we have a, one of the new 911 turbos. It's blue. It's pretty. Ooh. Yeah. Dude, it was drive. good. Wait, wait, when did you get that? Um, this summer, it, one of the first models. I don't drive it that much. I drive, we, I drive a G wagon, but that's our other oh, car. Oh, such a less step down. I can't believe you'd be caught dead in a G wagon. I know. Jason saw my car, and it was funny because Tori, our other owner, was like, "I don't really like those." And I was, Jay actually gave me a good compliment. I was like, "Oh, good, he likes my car at least." Yeah, I like them. I think they're cool. <laughs> I like G wagons. I get behind yeah, them. That's awesome. Yeah, but uh, I don't pretend to know anything about cars. We just lease them and enjoy them. So yeah, they're yeah. fun. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah, I honestly think I might lease and just keep my Lexus as like a car I have for backup mileage or something like that. Yeah. 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 I lease and then have the Porsche on the side. Yeah. Yeah. So give us a little bit on your background. Like what how did you kind of get into, I guess what I yeah. do. What you do. You know, it's uh probably just like you guys, and I'd be interested, you know, to hear the answer to that for you as well. That probably most of us in this field, one way or another, we're trying to solve our own problems or run from our own bullshit in some way. And uh, just like with sport, I feel like professionally, sometimes you don't choose it, it chooses you. Um, And I've been really fortunate in my life to have many different positions, all in healthcare, kind of always evolving. And um, I don't think I ever imagined I'd be working specifically in, you know, bioidentical hormones or functional medicine, but it's something I've had a passion for my entire life. Um, I grew up in a really strict home where strict in the sense that, you know, nutrition was always a big foundation of what we did. My dad is Hispanic and, you know, we never were allowed to have soda or cookies or anything. My mom cooked every meal growing up, was always extremely athletic in uh, sports. And so movement and health has always been a, you know, primary factor. And the medicine piece kind of came into play when I've had my own hormonal dysfunction throughout really my entire life. The ongoing joke is that I never went through puberty and I probably never will now. And uh, (laughs) trying to figure that all out, it just, um, yeah, kind of fell into my lap. And I'm a big nerd. I'm a big fan of, you know, anything you do, you should do it to the best of your capacity. So just kind of pursued it further and further and till I landed here. Jay, so what was it about Megan that stood out that said that this was the person you had to bring into your practice? Well, one was knowledge. I knew her, I knew her background. She had a functional nutrition type, you know, learning as well. And I knew that she had had her own hormone problems when we talked. And so for me, I always like someone who's like 
got that extra reason for learning and digging deep. I find that people know more generally when that's the issue. Um, so that was a big thing. And then of course, like when we all sat down, like, um, just talking to her and just discussing some of the things going on in the HRT world. Like she was very knowledgeable and, um, you know, it was, it was a pretty good click from the beginning. I think that when we were looking to hire Megan, there was like one other, I think business that was looking as well, but our meeting went really well and it was just kind of a, a nice fit from like the get go. So culture mattered in this situation for you. Then you went with a culture hire. Yeah. Good. All right, so I guess it's probably important now that we begin with what actually decided to like, I mean, besides seeing women with 500 testosterone levels running around like crazy that we've seen, and, you know, from other clinics, what I guess set out to where you guys, when you, when you, I guess you united said, okay, there's a problem in the industry. You identified the problem, but what did you all guys really see the problem as from your all's lens, you know, versus just mine as a coach? Yeah. Uh, um, Jay, do you want to start or do you want me to answer? Well, you're the guest. I'll let you start. And then if I need to fill anything in, I will. So I think for me, um, and just again, to be respectful, because I try to be Switzerland a little bit when it comes to how uh, I use my words and how I guide patients and that, you know, I'm conventionally trained in medicine and I believe in conventional medicine, but I believe that there's a lack of progression specifically in this field and part of its funding, part of its research, part of its a lack of, uh, yeah, a lack of ability for mainstream, you know, pharmaceutical agents and um, the National Institute of Health in terms of how they fund things coming a long way and wanting to be invested in this business. Because for the most part, what we do is what's called concierge or cash medicine. So with that, you know, for me, what bothers me the most or what I feel like is the biggest disparity um, to our patients that I see frequently is just, you know, following hormonal or functional medicine plans as if, you know, you're going down a pathway to treating a sinus infection, which couldn't be different. I believe that every patient is individual you know, you went through puberty different than Jason did. You have different epigenetics from your father, your grandfather, and your mother. And no one human really should receive the same HRT plan. And with that, you know, a lack of educating and empowering the patient to understand why they're doing what they're doing, what we're looking for, and where the limitations of hormones lie. I think one of the biggest failties in this part of practice is really kind of this state. People think of this as a savior. Oh, I've tried quote unquote, everything else. It must be my hormones. And I'm like, no dude, like you got to get up and move or, you know, you got to drink some water. Like there's so much more. And, you know, we're not here pretending to, to provide something that isn't real. And one of the things I always say is, you know, I don't sell anything. And in fact, Jason can tell you, I'm, I remove myself very much away from the financial component of the practice because I treat patients based on clinical need, where they are physiologically, emotionally, you know, spiritually, and that is part of their, you know, care plan. Jay, what do you want to pencil in? For me, you know, <clears throat> I was looking at tons of labs. A lot of women's, you know, testosterone I was seeing in the 250s, 300s. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't work for some, uh, but, but these women were puffy, uh, not losing weight. 
um, kind of experiencing more of like a PCOS type situation. And it was just really frustrating that they didn't start them lower in their testosterone dosing. Um, and so, you know, that was a big thing for me. And, you know, over time, we want to make sure we manage um, the side effects. And a lot of these women on two, 300 uh, testosterone weren't on like spironolactone or anything that was kind of buffering that. And, um, you know, some were having sides, some were having hair shedding. So finally, I just wanted a, a place to be able to send my people and know that they were getting the right care. And so the opportunity came along and uh, the clinic was born. I, I think we got to ask the question, what is the testosterone level number for a woman say that is a line that you don't want to start going over? Cause I think this is something that confuses a lot of people. Cause you hear some people like say nothing over 40, you hear say, Oh, once you get to a hundred, it's PCOS. You have a little in between. I almost think it's probably like zoned out depending upon you want more of a bikini look figure look. I think it kind of goes maybe there, but Megan, what say you with that in your background from Man, what that's you've a, seen? The million dollar question. So if you're it talking is. about diagnostic tools for polycystic ovarian syndrome, actually, so that's diagnosed by what's called the Rotterdam criteria, which is this list of symptoms and blood work is included in there. And essentially women have to have, you know, a certain amount from each category. And they actually in that criteria don't include testosterone, but they include DHEA. So okay. having elevated DHEA, you know, somewhere, I think it's greater than 300 um, as being what's called hyperthecosis and fecal cells are what um, create testosterone on the ovaries. So what's too high of a testosterone level for a woman on replacement therapy I think you have to look at her free testosterone even more so than her total and look at what her goals are, what her, again, her side effects are, you know, remember when we talk about side effects, it's all related to the affinity for our body to convert testosterone into dihydrotestosterone or DHT. And you, Jeffrey Black, have a lot of DHT receptors on your face because you've got a nice thick beard. (laughs) Say that again. And oh, a lot right. of times men with really thick beards are also bald because you have a lot of DHT receptors on your head. Fuck so, yeah, that D bald did me well. Yeah. So you, you know, you would, if you were a female patient, right, we'd have to be very conservative because you would be very sensitive to those side effects. Right. So it's always about whenever I go to follow up with a patient um, to go over their blood work after they started testosterone, before I even go into the labs, the first thing I would say is, how do you feel? Right. Because if they tell me I feel horrible, you know, I'm breaking out, I'm swelling, I don't care if her testosterone's 30, right? I'm going to change something. Um, or, you know, if she's feeling the best she's ever felt and best sex of her life, no side effects, and her total testosterone is on the higher end of the 200s. But, you know, maybe because of albumin, sex hormone binding globulin, wherever she is, you know, her free T is only two and a half. Well, then maybe that's a good number for her. I appreciate that reply. I think that clears up some stuff. Yeah, it's a big depends, but I mean, she she handled it right. I mean, that's that's the way it goes. There's no one size fits all, but but it's safe to say, like when you're seeing women with say say their total testosterone is in the hundreds. All right, let's just say like 150, arbitrary number, mm-hmm. and they're not losing any weight, and everything else is fine. Then that would probably be the signal that it could be the testosterone is too high, correct? Because you're seeing a lot of that with these people, these clinics, because you'll get these girls. I don't know about you guys. 
but they're like gym pop ladies and their testosterone levels like 150, 200. And they're on like 20 megs of sipping eight a week and shit. And I'm like, what's going on? Sure. I mean, I don't know that any female outside of competitors or transitioning genders really needs a a sip of 20, but I mean, Jason's seen my blood work and if you want to tell him what my total T is, I mean, I, I, yeah, my total T is like 250, 300, uh, but I'm an endurance athlete and my body loves it. And, and I've worked my way up there over the last four years, but I don't think that that's appropriate for every woman. Again, I think if she's, and I'm happy where I am from a body composition, if I wasn't right, then that would be a different story. And then, yeah, maybe 150 is, you know, creating too much anabolism or too much water retention in her body. And it's mm-hmm. not appropriate. Again, it's all about who the person is. For the vast majority of women, you're correct. Probably don't need to get it over 100. All right. So then you guys are taught like from this, then that's obviously what I'm getting as posturing the next thing. What are you guys doing to combat what's being seen out there? Because that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a little bit of reckless. I've seen a 200 milligram in a woman before. I mean, I think Jason has too. It came from the same clinic. So, I mean, that is... I'll be honest. I mean, those people just need to be run out of town. I mean, it's the same thing as the women who have no estrogen, not getting estrogen replacement therapy and getting 200 milligrams of progesterone and feeling like they're going to lose their mind and they blow up. It's just, again, it goes back to that cookie cutter. Every guy gets two migs once every 12 days and, you know, two grams of an astrosol. Like it's just, it's not good medicine. It's not science. I mean, that is in no way found like, responsible i think jay you want to chime in anything on that i i mean i pretty much agree with everything megan said there um i don't think i have anything else really has to add i think she said it perfectly we can call those fuckers out it's okay (laughs) no i I just well you know you just have a lot of people who are listening and then they get they get their numbers and they don't really know what to do with them and they go to a clinic. So I guess my next question is, how do you combat and make your name and your brand different against the other clinics that are out there? What are you guys doing differently that says, hey, pick us, not these turd burglars over there? <laughs> to be honest, um, and I think even the first time that I met Jason and on the team at Advanced Vitality uh, through Vince Pitstick, you know, one of the things I say time and time again, I really believe in my heart. If you just take care of the patient, like, you listen to them, you deliver, you educate them, and they feel better. I don't need, we don't need to go up against any other clinic. We will naturally grow. If we just do the, I mean, it sounds so dumb, but like do the right thing, treat the patient with honesty, inform them about the risks, the benefits, side effects, and let them make that decision, empower them. And the financials, everything will come. I really believe that it's like the field of dreams. Like if you build it, they will definitely come. You know, to mitigate some of it, Jeff, um, you know, I I've made recommendations, you know, to my clients to talk to their HRT people to talk to Megan, but you know, if they're on sip and they're running high and they're puffy, you know, I've talked using uh propanate, um, yeah. test propanate. And for our listeners that don't know, that's a, that's a fast acting testosterone and it doesn't build up in the body. Sipinate's meant to build up. So it slows the half-life down so that every time you take a shot, there's still some left in your body. And that's why these are building up on them. Now there are some women that metabolize it so fast that they need the sip, but yeah. it, you know, we start 
more cautious a lot of times unless someone already has a background to go from. And so that's one of the things that, you know, I think separates us is that we we know this issue is out there um, and we know that it 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 depends. It differs for woman to woman, um, but we know what to do if the symptoms aren't aren't looking right. Um, so. I think that's just where our history comes into, like, what is your, have you ever used testosterone or any hormones? What are your periods like? Like if I think she has PCOS, I, one, I probably actually won't give her testosterone or deem her a candidate until I've addressed the PCOS. And then you can introduce androgens in at a different time when her, when your body's going to tolerate it well. So again, that just goes back to doing the right thing, you know, taking time with your patients, educating them and and, you know, to speak to what Jason was saying, not only are there different esters, right? So carrier compounds for the testosterone, there are different modalities. You know, what if she doesn't want to inject? So maybe we do a little bit of a trochee, which is like a little lozenge suppository. My only kind of hard and fast rule is I don't prescribe testosterone cream. Why don't you do that? Yeah, just too high of a risk for transference of all the hormones. That is the one that will put your loved ones, kids, dogs, animals, partners at risk for transferring that hormone to someone else. That's good for people to know. Jeff, do you have anything you want to ask at this point or Jason? Um, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about testosterone and androgens yeah. and PCOS so far. Um, I want to talk more about estrogen and progesterone. Definitely. And, like how would you go about, you know, choosing one versus the other? Cause you know, in a lot of HRT uh, protocols or approaches, you can either go estrogen only, or you can go estrogen and progesterone, and then sometimes progesterone only. And there are a lot of risks, right? So there's, um, there's been studies done where, you know, it shows that estrogen only therapy is actually good for women. Then other studies show that it's bad because it promotes breast cancer, but it doesn't promote uterine cancer. So can you talk a little bit about what you've seen and, and what, how you might consider why one versus the other is better for one woman versus another woman? Yeah, that probably brings up one of the other uh, biggest contention pieces or discussion pieces in hormone therapy, and that is the role of what's called unopposed estrogen, so estrogen without progesterone. Uh, so maybe two or three weeks ago, um, Dr. Peter Tira and Dr. Andrew Huberman um, had a podcast. It was really incredible information. And Dr. Peter Tia made the comment that the study that kind of foundationally studied synthetic hormones, which we can kind of talk about the difference there, was called the Women's Health Initiative. And he claimed that it was actually the biggest disservice that's ever been done onto women historically in the field of medicine, because it really the study was done incorrectly, had a lot of poor data points, the, um, the way that they viewed the results was very skewed and created kind of this um, nuance or this kind of fear of hormone replacement therapy. And part of what came out of that was not understanding what you're saying is, you know, what the role of both hormones should be very well. Some GYNs still follow that. If you don't have a uterus, you don't need progesterone, which couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. I've seen so, that. Yeah. And it, what we're finding now is, you know, like you said, there actually is a risk that if you unbalance her, meaning you give her estrogen without progesterone, you're putting that female at risk for estrogen dominance for estrogen receptor cancers, such as breasts, um, can also have inflammatory estrogen receptor cancers throughout the body. And those two hormones are meant to be in synergy with one another. 
So again, just going back to like not understanding the physiology, not understanding their role. And to answer your question even better, so when is estrogen, when is progesterone introduced? What are her symptoms? So progesterone is the hormone, we should kind of talk about it. So it's the female hormone, although men do make a little bit of it as well, that's highest when she's pregnant. It's why her uterus thins out, why she loses her period. It releases a bunch of what's called relaxin into the joints, which is why women who are pregnant tend to be like really hypermobile and their hair, skin, nails, right? They're glowing. When the placenta is delivered, progesterone takes a big dive off a cliff. And that's where you get postpartum depression, postpartum psychosis. Outside of fertility, so whether it's from HPA access dysfunction from too much dieting, too much exercise, too much stress, whatever, um, or chronologically as she ages, progesterone is the first hormone that our body stops making. And so that results in insomnia. It actually produces uh, night sweats, which women usually think are estrogen related, but usually it's from progesterone. Yeah. Causes that irritability that we get in our late thirties, early forties, because what happens is when you don't have a lot of progesterone, actually the neurotransmitter, which is a chemical in our brain, glutamate gets really, really high. And glutamate is excitatory, fight or flight, snap at you. And we lack GABA and GABA is what's meant to kind of balance out glutamate in the brain, which is that rest and digest. So long story short, I introduce progesterone again, when I see a deficiency, whether it's from polycystic ovarian syndrome, and we're having issues regulating periods. Um, she's transitioning into uh, menopause. Again, those we call vasomotor symptoms, night sweats, insomnia, um, or she's having you know significant anxiety or depression. Estrogen um, comes into the picture when, again, we see that her estrogen levels are low, uh, whether again, that's through HPA axis dysfunction, or from um, from menopause, from chronological, whether that's surgical or from age, and that's you know can also help during the day with hot flashes, can help with um, lubrication of the joints, can also help with obviously pro protecting against cardiovascular disease and bone density. But again, the dose for each of those really should represent levels that are pretty even on blood work and address her symptoms without you know, causing her um, abnormal uterine bleeding if she does have a uterus or things like breast tenderness, bloating that can happen when one of those two is too high. Speaking of, you know, <clears throat> all these, now that we've laid out testosterone, progesterone, and estrogen a little bit, have you seen like, I've, I've seen where some clinics throw the whole kitchen sink at someone and they yeah. like, their body freaks out. Like even pregnenolone is thrown in there and you can't oh, control God, that. Yeah, or that so like, how do you decide, I guess, like, do we do progesterone or testosterone? Do we do estrogen, testosterone? You know? I guess I want to get into more of the nuts and bolts of, of that decision. And then also, am I right in thinking you throw that many at a lot of people, especially if they've been dormant a while? I mean, it's it's going to be a shit show. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a shit show. And when you're talking even about DHEA, which a lot of like GYNs will prescribe for their patients, um, pregnenolone. So those are both pro-hormones, right? Meaning that they actually are chemical signalers for testosterone. They're great for traumatic injury, um, you know, a lot of military vets, they're having trouble with mental cognition, but in our, we have this like hierarchy of androgens. So all those male sex steroid hormones. Um, and again, going back to our foundation of the affinity to convert into dihydrotestosterone, 
of all those androgens, DHEA has the highest likelihood of causing all of those side effects. So a lot of times I'll get women who come to me and they're like, yeah, I'm taking 50 milligrams of DHEA and my hair is falling out. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. no shit, Sherlock, like, you gotta stop that. Um, you know, so, so it's always, I'm, so I, I'm not a kitchen sink approach again, kind of talking about buying into the patient when I see them and let's say it's their first consultation, we're looking at labs, you know, I usually say, Hey, so we have a, we can combat this two ways. We can go all in. And then sometimes we don't really know what's what, or we can start with one thing at a time and use the least amount to elicit the most change. And let's say she's deficient in all of them, never used hormones before she's symptomatic. I probably would just start with progesterone. Like, let's just get you sleeping better. Cause if you sleep better, you're going to have more energy throughout the day. You know, it's the kind of lowest hanging fruit, sort of really low dose, whether it's an oral pill or suppository. What do you think is low? Is it about 50 migs? Yeah. Even 25 to 50. I go as, you know, as, What's nice about, you know, we use compounding pharmacies, meaning that they can um, kind of create any dose that we need. So yeah, 25 to 50, especially if her E is less than five, if it's zero. Um, And we'll just start with that. And then at her next appointment, okay, so if you're having significant hot flashes still during the day, then I'll add a little estrogen. And then the last component, maybe we add some testosterone. Just, you know, again, every female is a little bit different. Now, unhealthy menstruating females, it... I don't think I've ever, I don't want to say ever though, but I, it's very rare that I would ever prescribe estrogen. If you give estrogen to a woman who's menstruating, you are going to make her miserable. Um, she's going to bleed abnormally. She's going to spot constantly. Her breasts are going to swell. She's going to be very irritable. Um, it's not going to be a pretty picture for you as the provider nor the patient. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. I have a client like that right now. She oh. was put on the old school uh, estrogen during you know, perimenopause and, uh, you know, she's still having a a cycle, even though it's now like 36, 38 days, but she was, she was frankly of estrogen dominant, like six sixty, and, uh, awful. And she's like, you know, my husband's, you know, hating me and I'm irrational. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, well you were put on the old school. So let me just uh, tell you what we might need to do here. And, you know, I got her over to the clinic and yeah. I think that brings up a good point too, not to go back to testosterone, but, you know, I do treat men as well. And uh, again, kind of debunking stigma, a lot of questions I get about, oh, is this going to make me aggressive? And, you know, I'm like, there there are some, you know, illicit anabolics that can make you aggressive, I guess, but that not, not this. And for the most part, you know, when I explain it to them, it's not really the testosterone, right? It's the conversion or aromatization, which is when testosterone can convert it at unused molecules into estrogen that makes men really irritable. And I would say, you know, you came in and you had an E level less than five, you got, I don't know, let's say 300 milligrams of testosterone from your friend at the gym. And now you have an E level of 80, which is normal for a healthy 16 year old female. Like, of course you were angry. Like, you know, we just major hormonal teenager. So it's again, a little bit of that education around, you know, how to appropriately dose and and what the side effects truly can be. And, uh, you know, any of these, when we talk about hormone replacement therapy, you know, the goal is to replenish physiologic normal doses. So get you back to a place where you feel like you can live kind of quote unquote, your best life or whatever they say. Right. Um, and, 
again, to uh, quote Dr. Huberman, he always says, you know, testosterone specifically, but I believe all hormones, they, they make you more of what you already are. So if you, you know, at one point were a go-getter and you had vitality and you could get up and work all day, study, take care of the kids, and now you feel like you can barely get out of bed, you know, our goal is to get you back to where you are. I have a question. Yeah. Um, so, so all this talk about like getting, you know, you back to how you felt and like, you know, being a teenager and all that stuff, uh, makes me think like, at what age would you turn someone away and say, you know, HRT is for life. It's a commitment. And right now we should probably, or you should probably try to work things out and take a more natural route instead of taking exogenous hormones to replace what your body should be producing. So, so this conversation can go a lot of ways, right? So somebody could be like, you know, eating disorders all their lives and, you know, secondary hypothalamic amenorrhea. And then they're like 27 years old. They come to you and they say, put me on HRT. I'm done with it. I just want to take HRT. How would you approach a client like that versus, yeah. you know, a woman who's, you know, 45 right? What are you really going to restore in a 45 year old female or male? Right? So yeah. what does that conversation look like? What's going through your head in those situations? Yeah, I think that's a good question. And um, it kind of brings back, you know, what you and Jeff and Jeff and Jason do also in terms of, you know, where my limitations are and leaning on some collaboration through through coaching that can come into play for patients outside of clinic. So I think that conversation is, you know, I usually ask my patients, so, you know, we're here to talk about your hormones. What do you know about hormone therapy? And if she says, you know, I know I haven't had my period my whole life because I've been anorexic since I'm a teenager or whatever her phrasing is, then, you know, diving into that, like, so do you feel like this is a way to help kickstart your, you know, your hormones while you get your behavior or your relationship with food or your mechanism, whatever it is under control? And documenting that and following up on it, you know, I know that if I can get her body feeling better, then she'll buy into the process of feeding her body and fueling it more. If this is the catalyst, it's hard, you know, to say that it's not, but again, in my time with the patient recommending that she work with, you know, again, a coach either that I know, or at least referring her to a coaching team that I know very well that can mm. kind of start to work on the behavior mechanisms, the journaling, the adrenals and all things that I may not have the actual time for. Mm -hmm. And also in that question, you know, the thing I do get a lot are really the young men mm. and it's from a practitioner standpoint, it's difficult. I don't know if you guys have experienced this with young boys that are not boys, but you know, men in their early twenties who either want to compete or have physique goals, um, I'd be interested to hear what, it, what is your response to them when they say, Hey, I think I, I think it's my testosterone, you know, should I start therapy? Mm, you want well, me to start? You can start. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's whatever. I, I mean, I'll use myself as an example. Like when I was like 16, 17, and, and, and I had an eating disorder after, after that. So it wasn't eating disorder, um, <laughs> driven. But I tested low for testosterone. I, I remember it was 182 or 184 nanograms per deciliter. And I loved working out. And no matter what I did, you know, I never saw any progress. And I, I remember seeing a, a female endocrinologist um, at that time. And after a lot of convincing, she finally put me on androgel, which is, you know, the topical um, solution, which made some hair fall out. And it didn't do anything for me except make me feel bloated. And my nipples got like all like itchy. So I was like, this ain't, 
This ain't Again, good. Yeah, you became a female. You became a so, teenager. So, a <laughs> yeah. So, so I ended up buying a bottle of testosterone from a guy at the gym. He sold it to me for 130 bucks. Oh, um, that's it. That was expensive. It was expensive saw, back in the day. He bro. saw he saw a noob coming. Yeah, I didn't know any better. <laughs> then I went to CVS. I bought some insulin needles. And I tried to inject one mil of testosterone. Oh my god! My thigh, my hand was shaking, and then there was no <laughs> turning back after that. And I'm happy going on it. And my point with all this is that, you know, at a very young age, I committed to it. I said, I knew there was probably something wrong with me. I really don't feel like spending years trying to figure it out. The doctors are fucking morons. I'm just going to do it. And I committed to it. And then I'm 38 now and I'm, I'm happy with the choice that I made. Yeah. Well, I If I get young guys, I mean, and their testosterone's fine. Like, then that's just a conversation of, you know, what, what's fine it, for you. Uh, like 500 or higher, you know, a lot of guys will sit around there. Um, I know plenty of guys that, that, that built great physique. So, I, you know, so if someone's, you know, that age, 23, 24, I usually recommend at least waiting till 25. Um, if someone actually is deficient, then I have no problem recommending them to go see an HR you know, an HRT clinic, because, you know, like, like Sue said, he was running at 182. Well, uh, you're not going to feel good. You're not going to have any drive. Uh, you're definitely not going to build muscle well. So, um, I have no problem at that younger age, having a, a male get on testosterone. Um, now if they just came off of a six month diet, yeah. then, you know, we've got to, we've got to yeah. say, okay, well, we know why that's low. So let's give this time. Yeah. And, you know, after four or five months, if it's not back up, then okay. But, um, yeah. so it always depends, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't have a problem as long as someone's willing to commit. If they have a true need. I don't care about age really. Uh, I'm right there with you. I'm on the, the same lines. I think the three of us all follow the same thing. Like if you're low and you have low, you have the symptoms of low T, which for most men, like in their twenties are usually just very low energy, very listless. I know my workout partner, he's young. He's like 23 and he was like, well below, like he was like below 300. I was like, bro, no wonder you feel like complete death. Like, you know what I mean? Like get that thing fixed. Now he's like a whole new man eight weeks later, you know? And he's like, damn, wonder if it was like this the whole way. I'm like, maybe it was, maybe some of the guys were, but I do You're think seeing you know, it more and more now where guys just aren't producing well in their young age. So I don't know if it's food. I'm a brighter. Care to know what I'm doing? I don't know. Like everything's in plastic. I don't know. Yeah. Every, every um, summer I take the boys to get blood work. So that way they can track their testosterone levels, their T3, their T4, like Jared 16, Keegan's 11. And that way they can like, at least have, I'm like, look guys, it's like your yearly maintenance on your car. Like you just go get it looked at and that way they can see. So that way they know at a young age and, you know, kind of track really that. Good idea. Yeah. Cause that. if they're, if they're low, I mean, shit. And they're 22, you can be like, Hey, that ain't that, that for the course, your whole life bro hasn't gone up. Like it should have get that fixed. Do you know what I mean? So that's been my approach to it. It's hard sometimes to convince a client to, to even consider this because of the yep. stigma that it still carries. Like, yeah. I remember I had a client, you know, she's no longer on my roster, but she had primary hypothalamic amenorrhea. She just never had her period, like ever, for whatever reason. And, you know, she carried, she was very, very bottom heavy. Um, 
And she she was always like, you know, very like, you know, agitated by politics and complaining about this and tired and <laughs> back hurt and everything. And she just thought life was normal like that. And I kept trying to say, hey, go get lab work, go get lab work, let's work on this. And she just didn't want to do it. Um, and it's just sad because there are probably millions of people out there, men and women, who live like that and think life is normal. And it's yeah. not. And, and you, you can't like see the light until like imagine if you never saw sunlight how would you explain that to somebody what mm -hmm. light looks like right yeah. and that's what hrt can do for people if they need it and i think everybody should should get it checked out and, and open their minds yeah jeff i think uh jeff black what you're doing is really great with your boys i think more you know young uh kids or not kids, but teenagers, you know, going through puberty should track that. And Jeffrey Sue, I think we should just pitch you to be our marketing agent for each of Don't really say that. Don't say that. I, I don't want to feel those, police those two together in private channels. Like I don't want that. No, <laughs> no and I was going to say. Shitty uh, idea, Megan. Shitty <laughs> idea. <laughs> All right. When, uh, when you shared about, you know, buying the $130 bottle of testosterone, which by, by the way, testosterone is like $8 today. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Not yeah. Yet. Uh, you know, one of the things, and I think when I first met Jay, we might've talked about this a little bit in that, you know, although, uh, physique sports and competition is not something that I engage in personally because I don't even like having my picture taken, but I have a lot of respect for anybody who does anything hard. So I do follow all of the people that I think I hopefully should follow and try to bring in the information. And I actually owe a lot of what I know and what everyone knows, I think about hormones to bodybuilders. I mean, they were really the foundation of like, let's talk about it and this is what we're going to do. And this is what the body can, can show. So it's a common story though. I do hear, and I always sense a little bit, sometimes a little bit of shame or embarrassment on the side of the patient. I always say like, Hey man, like I'm here to help you. Like I am here to keep you safe. We're going to look at your blood work. If you just tell me what you're doing or what you on, you know, sometimes I can't comment on it. If it's a prescription that I'm not prescribing, but I can share with you what the science shows and we can at least try to keep you healthy. Let's look at your heart. Let's, you know, get a CT scan of your coronaries, whatever it is. I do try to always have that dialogue because it's it's very important that people know that, you know, we're not HRT clinics shouldn't be like one, they shouldn't be your pimp because that's again not what we're doing. But two, they also should be a place where you really go to actually improve your health and not just kind of mitigate the damage that might have been done. Mm -hmm. And to, on that note, uh Jason also was buying medications from India when I first met him and I had mm -hmm. a stroke. <laughs> I mean, I, why Why do you think I, I messaged you all to get on to the HRT I know, stuff? Because I, I was like, this shit's going to kill me one day as I opened up another one last night. I was like, I better ask for it for me. I think you I, all look, bought stuff from random countries. All Day Chemist, baby. That was the website. Yeah. where you got yeah. Metformin, yeah. Telemacertin, all That's the shit. Whole other world, about. baby. Uh, yeah, whole other world. Please just text me. Some, I, I pe some pesticides are fine, girl. You're okay. We're okay. Yeah. If we're going to have autism by now, it would have already happened. Jason, you own the clinic. What do you mean? You're not getting your prescriptions through us. Like, what is going on? Me and Jeff Me and Jeff are trying to find the cure for syphilis over in India with all the pills that we're taking. At <laughs> like, fuck it. Tell them to start. Amateurs. You know what I mean? Um, I guess all we've gardens a great drug though. It, it, it is. is. It is. 
yeah. I, if I'm going to treat hypertension, it's the first one I usually treat. All right. Why would you recommend that one? I know it's a random one before we get into the similar time. So, yeah. But why would you recommend Tolmasartan? So in general, um, even when I was in primary care, I've always been a bigger, bigger fan of angiotensin, angiotensin reuptake inhibitors or ARBs in hypertension world, which Tolmasartan is. And I also like it when it comes in microscopic doses, you can start at 10 milligrams and work your way up. Um, it's just been shown to not only, you know, so again, let's go back to why do we treat high blood pressure, right? So the overall goal is mitigate the risk of having a mitocardial infarction or heart attack, right? That's the point. That's the point of a lot of actually related drugs. And Telmosartan has been shown to actually vasodilate or relax the beds of the blood vessels little side effects versus things like an ACE inhibitor that cause a bunch of cough and things, people get irritable, protects kidneys really well. Um, and, you know, in terms of all cause mortality or looking at, you know, again, what is your risk of your heart becoming more inflamed? It's just a better drug. It's superior. It's newer. And not a lot of people know about it. And a lot of people do it. Um, I just, I don't love ACE inhibitors, beta blockers. I don't, I'll use sometimes, especially if they have like anxiety too. Which again, always kind of goes back to it depends, but I feel like people tolerate it well. They don't drop their blood pressure really fast. There's no mm. impact on your heart rate. So I just think it's a good drug. Random little fact for you, you know where they get the main ingredient for lisinopril from? No, I don't know. Venom from pit vipers. Really? Like a yeah, I went down a dig on that one day. I was just curious. I was like, "What where half this shit comes from?" <laughs> I was real fucking high. I actually think I dropped acid that day. Slide him out. Well, you know acid. where um where they make the synthetic hormones that they give women still to this day, like Premarin and Prem Prempro synthetic mm -mm. hormones. No, sure. The urine of horses. Oh, that's right. I remember hearing that. Yeah. Mm, yeah jay speaking of lsd and all that you know i'm ready to do a whole nother trip again it's gonna be a great time me and my buddy are planning one together like, rocket ships like not microdosing but no nah, we're gonna go we're, we're, no we're not gonna do macro we're gonna do museum and we're gonna go to this art exhibit but you're not gonna macrodose you're gonna microdose no it's museum dose so it's, it's half of the macro oh, so okay. you're like think like earth two is kind of there but not there so it's going to be a good time. Anyway, before we get on that, that was just like a little random. Like it popped in my head. I had to share with Jay. And Jay, I know yeah. Jeff doesn't care about my drug use. Um, let's talk about semaglutide. I got that one right that time, motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah there you go. Uh, semaglutide. Semaglutide. It's, uh, it's everywhere. Everyone's on it. Everyone wants it. Everyone's on it. It's the Everyone's, hot drug. All the cool kids are taking it. Uh, say take no. meth. <laughs> kind of like the Adderall of diabetic drugs. Uh, so semaglutide is, so that's the name for uh, the peptide GLP-1 or glucagon-like peptide 1, which is one of the two incretin hormones or gastric peptides that our body naturally makes. And GLP-1 is released into the bloodstream in response to glucose, whether that's nutritionally or hormonally, because we know sometimes you actually don't have to eat anything to spike glucose or blood sugar. And the original kind of brand name for semaglutide in drug therapy was Ozempic. And it was brought out years ago. And in primary care, you know, they give us a, an algorithm. So patient is a type two diabetic. You start with diet and lifestyle. When that fails, you go into metformin and then that fails and you go da -da -da down the list. 
And somewhere along the line, would Ozempic would fall into that pathway. When the drug was actually starting to be used, you know, we saw, and again, we being the primary care world, that it was not only improving patients' A1Cs, but we're talking about just run-of-the-mill type 2 diabetic patients who were morbidly obese and they were losing weight, lipid panel was getting better, kidney markers were getting better. Again, going back to uh, what's referred to as the four horsemen of the apocalypse, um, being cardiovascular disease or cerebral disease, diseases of the brain, so Parkinson's, ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, um, cancer, um, which there's a strong metabolic theory to cancer. All of those are championed or can be attributed to insulin resistance in the body being the uh, fourth horseman there. And so Norvo Nordic, which is the kind of Pfizer of diabetic drugs, conducted this big 68-week study um, to look at specifically the weight loss benefits of semaglutide. And it was, um, again, done over a year and a few months, and average weight of participants in that study was 220 pounds. And what they found that um, through this drug, and I'll kind of go through how it works a little bit, that after that time, patients lost on average 14.9%, so about 42 pound weight loss, <laughs> which isn't great if you're on the biggest loser, but is great if we're looking at sustainable weight loss you know, over a long period of time. And then even more so, and studies are continuing to come out now, which are called the sustained trials, where right they're showing that vast improvement in cardiovascular disease. People coming off of their um, blood pressure medications, actually not only protecting, but, you know, decreasing the uh, acceleration of symptoms related to Alzheimer's and Parkinson's because so dopamine, which is the molecule that actually atrophies during a lot of those neurodegenerative diseases, the molecule of more, the molecule of more. That's right. Yeah, there you go. Um, so dopamine atrophies in response to insulin resistance and semaglutide crosses what's called the blood brain barrier and can actually right, improve um, the response of dopamine to glu glucose and protect against the progression of those diseases. So it's kind of been championed as this metabolic- Should my dad be on that? He has Parkinson's. Yeah, I sent you an article, I think a while back. I can, um, but yes, we can definitely get him on it um, whenever you want. Again, not from right. India, we'll prescribe yeah. it. For yeah, an yeah. FDA approved US pharmacy, yeah. 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 What, what, not from India? Fuck that, I get uh, so the hard thing with semaglutide, it's very much also marketed as a weight loss drug. And mm -hmm. that kind of puts a knife through my chest because we're not a weight loss clinic. I'm not a weight loss practitioner, but I do believe that most people are insulin resistant and are probably overfed and, uh, you know, can, if this drug helps to help them lose a few pounds and they believe in the therapy, then, and I can improve their overall health and it's probably the right drug for them. Jay, don't quote me on this, but I do know for sure for Alzheimer's, it was a study, I think, in Norway that showed that microdosing LSD reversed the reversed Alzheimer's. Uh yeah, but he has Parkinson's. I know, but I can't I think Parkinson's might have been another one I read too somewhere. They're doing a lot of stuff. A lot of that's coming out of Europe. Like US is like so far behind on half the damn things. You know, I mean, they don't even allow ketchup over in Europe. If you see the study and you think it was related to Parkinson's, let me know. Oh, you know, well. I, I, you know I, yeah. I can I have access to microdose 
So yes, sir. All Not right. for me. I want to be clear. I don't prescribe that. Yeah. Yeah. No. No, girl. We and, know. And that. just to be clear, the reason I still had my India stuff was because the clinic really wasn't up and running when I ordered. No, I no Jane, for the clarification, my Indian stuff. Like you sound like Trump over the documents down there, Marla. Oh, um i think the last thing we should say and i think this was soon point before we went to the air is who really should consider using hrt who should really look into hormone replacement therapy i think to put this on a bow tie because we've spit out a lot of numbers we've spit out a lot of estrogen testosterone progesterone wow. all the things but we haven't really said who should consider it so i think any probably pubescent human man or woman, however you identify through anybody of capacity listening to this should have their blood work checked once a year. That was a nice way of saying a very like PC answer. And I just, I laughed and giggled because I'm like, you just fucking say male or female, but it's okay. Hey man, I know I'm going to get shit on either way. So (laughs) I'm used to be shit on. It's cool, girl. Just come on in the shit. So it's fine. I'm going to adopt the uh, Joe Rogan approach of like posts and ghosts. I will never watch this and I will never try to listen to my own content. Um, Anyways. Yes. Anyone should get their numbers checked in terms of who's a candidate for replacement therapy. You know, I think if like uh, Jeffrey Sue said too, like if you're not feeling well and you're not progressing, then, you know, start first with what you can do outside. But if you have a, what we call a pathology, right? You have a diagnosable clinical problem on blood work with low hormone levels, then I think you're a good candidate, whether it's one, two, three, or, or all the things. You guys got anything to wrap that up with the bow tie even further? Or you, I think we did a pretty good job. I think we did a pretty good job. I think our listeners are going to really enjoy the episode. No, if they don't, I'll blame you for being, for picking a bad episode sure. topic. It's fine. Sure. You can blame I, me. I got something to say. <laughs> Oh, Sue's got something to say. Oh, shit. All right. Here it we might, go. Be, might be kind of funny, but also a, a serious message as well. Um, you know, I, I think with a gem pop crowd, you got to be really, really careful in terms of uh, HRT and how they're actually administering it, if they're self-administering it. I have had clients who have weighed rice the wrong way. Like I'll tell them to like, you know, you, you, you weigh, you know, cooked rice and then they eat, they eat the dry rice and they end up taking in three times the amount of carbs that they should be taking in. So when you're dealing with needles and MLs and CCs and MGs per ML, oh, I have yeah. the craziest questions being asked. Oh, I get it. I get, I get them asked. And, too. and yeah, I'm just like, them. listen, like make sure you're not injecting like, you know, a whole syringe, triple the dose, yeah, testosterone, and then there, you're like, oh, I'm like growing hair all of a sudden on my fucking chest. You know, my boobs are hairy. Like, <laughs> yeah. So you just, you know, it's you know, some people like they just uh, you got to monitor them a little closely. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I no, I mean, yeah, yeah. the one client took the bank with me, Sue, when he he like tied off his arm and wanted to do <laughs> blood work with you. I will never forget that. Like, he's like, I'm ready to do my blood work. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah, is that- I had a client who wanted to like bleed into his sink um, at <laughs> home because <laughs> <laughs> the stories I could tell you about some uh, of the people. I, I, mean, I got some good ones too that made me pause, and I'm just like, Okay, like you know what I mean? You just kind of breathe and you're just kind of like, dude, what was the one that time when it was a raw? It was the raw chicken, but they ate raw chicken. I told someone, oh my god, were they sick? 
I told someone to weigh their meats raw before cooking, and some guy in California ate raw chicken for two days and said, I can't do this raw food diet you put me on anymore. I was like, what do you mean raw food diet? I can't, this is not a joke. It's a serious thing that happened. I, you, you can't make this shit up. The people out there, like, you can't make it up. Oh, I know, yeah. <laughs> the, way, the way you said it, you're like, this is very serious. I'm like, fucking serious. Dipshit on that one. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> who eats raw chicken? I even think my 11-year-old knows better than that. Like, See, there you know, are, like, raw carnivore people out there, but I don't think they eat chicken. I think they eat the, liver, the liver king. The liver king, yeah, That guy's yeah. full of shit. Shoot I him with trend. Eat beef raw. That's nasty, but I, I could know. never. I've, I've seen rare, like loose, shit, which is tossed one second each way. Yeah. And I was like, Whoa. yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. No, not my thing. Did you hear funny things? I've had that, unfortunately. And it's good feedback, you know, the patient education. And we try to spell it out, but still people miss it. Because what'll happen, especially like my little old ladies who I love, and they'll be like, so I went to sit on my Peloton bike. <laughs> things felt very different down there because they had so much clitoral megaly, you know, because they were uh-huh. overdosing their testosterone. I'm like, yeah, I bet it felt different. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. All right. That's, that's the way to end it right there. Ending yeah. <laughs> a lot of the guys who are on at 750 megs of tests just changed their dating preference to 50 plus females within 30 miles here and that. Because once they get above that testosterone level, they smell panties in the air and it's just a close to kill. You know what I mean? So sorry guys if you're listening to Claudia out like that, but that that that's true. That's why the three of us are red in the face and laughing hysterically right now. So yeah, well, um, so. yeah no, that's a great way to end it. Megan, where can everybody find you? I know that you have like some social media, I believe, but if yeah, people want to give you a follow by you know, if you want to drop who you work yeah. for, or don't don't pay sure. Jason too much. She gets enough accolades. We we're sick of that shit. Yeah. So the clinics advanced vitality HRT, um, which is the website. Uh, yeah, I don't do a lot on social media except post pictures of my dogs and me running. Um, but Porsche, po- post pictures of your Porsche tag soon and be like, nah, 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 you don't got this. Yeah, you'll like the color. It's pretty. Yeah. Because he doesn't have his yet. So like just rub oh, it. Oh, I feel like yeah. I had to show that we had one, you know, in order to be on this podcast, in order to meet the criteria. So. Oh, fuck you. I got a Jeep. Qualified. Turbo. I just have the Carrera 4S. That turbo is like another $100,000 more than... Uh-huh. That just says you ain't balling hard enough to me, so you better sell more <laughs> fucking mentorships. <laughs> ah, this is just you just you quit. You quit. Admit you tapped out. Just admit you tapped out. It's like hundred G's more. Because I wasn't working. All right. I'm <laughs> All right. Uh and so it's at mouse momentum, um, like a little mouse scurrying, which is my nickname. And uh Love it. Jay is at what is your handle? Is it J Theo? Is it J Theo? Yeah, on Instagram. Yeah. No, he's Scooby Prep. Prep. Scooby Prep, Pro. that's right. He got the that's IFBB right. Pro in that name. He wow. never even commented. One day he had this big picture of him like all swollen, jacked, and tan. And I uh, I did post it to my Instagram. I said, my boss is bigger than yours. No, I never saw it. Yeah, I never thought <laughs> that was great. Jay doesn't check anyone else's shit other than his yeah, own. He gets on there if and posts on against I, just, I, did, I don't know. my stories. Yeah. God, your stories sometimes are so many lines. I get anxiety. I immediately have to exit out. Before we go, I had, a I had a question for you, Jeff. What is your book about? I've been hearing you talk about it. Um, it's about my journey with osteogenesis and perfecta and yeah. kind of the fact that uh, it correlates, it shows just a lifeline of trauma and how I subjectively decided not to deal with it. And like coming up in a generation that did not talk about mental health. And like mm-hmm. the path that it led me down to, which eventually was heavily psychedelic use, which 
I believe did more for me than anything else out there. Mm -hmm. What form do you have? Um, of osteogenesis perfecta type yeah. four. So I got mild moderate. Okay. Yep. Yeah, my background's in pediatric medicine. So uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. My, oh, yeah. my, my youngest one has type four, just like me. And then my chief of staff, Thera, who Jason and Jeff know her son has, um, type eight. He's only one of two in existence. So like, yeah, he, like if rare. he sneezes, he like breaks his ribs and stuff like that. So it's pretty brutal. Or his eyes blue. Um, no, we all have the blue sclera yeah. though. Yeah. Yeah. I always, I think that's always the coolest thing. Yeah. Because well, people cool. sometimes very be like, your eyes look so different, Jeff. And I'm like, it's because the light caught it and they just, you saw the blue sclera. So you're yeah. like a wolf by nature. Underneath. Yeah. Hell yeah. I like that. I'm gonna put that on my, my you know, yeah. That's gonna be my, oh, Jeff unbreakable black underscore wolf. Like that's yeah. what I'll do. Right. Like I, wolf one, like, like wolf IFBB wolf or some shit. I'll put on there. And just <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. That sounds good. Yeah. All right, Meg. Well, thank you for yeah, well, thank you for joining. Uh, well, I appreciate it. I hope to have it. It'll be out sometime next year. I know that. Much, so, cool. um, well, thank you for taking the time to join us. It was great banter. It felt like a good episode that flowed real well, and we enjoyed doing it. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Hey, you too. Bye. See y'all. Bye. Bye.